Welcome to the Fem Nation podcast, where we wholeheartedly believe women entrepreneurs can rise together. Success comes in many flavors. There are no secret strategies. Women entrepreneurs are rewriting history by defining success on their own terms. Hi, I'm White of Gannon, the down-to-earth chick with a different name. Entrepreneur and founder of the Female Entrepreneur Movement, our business is dedicated to helping women start and grow their businesses, increasing financial independence. Each week, join me for inspiring stories and powerful interviews of women entrepreneurs sharing their lessons to success to help you take your business to the next level. Now, let's go for it. Welcome back to the Fem Nation podcast. Today, I have my lovely friend, April Beach. I'm so excited you're here today, April. She's a business development strategist and mentor for lifestyle entrepreneurs. And those are some big words. Happy to be able to dice into this with you today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Yes. So let me ask you the question of the hour. Where did your entrepreneurial journey begin? Mm, I love that question. So I have actually a pretty unique story. My entrepreneurial journey began like I was born into a family of lifestyle entrepreneurs. And I'm really, really blessed about that. I'm super lucky about that because what I got to experience is just always been entrepreneurship. So my parents, my mom, gosh, she's so creative. She, I still remember she launched one of her first businesses when I was about three years old. And they have always really chosen to, I mean, still today, they even do that. They've chosen to create businesses for the primary result of designing the lifestyle that they want. It was never launching a business mm. to make a lot of money. So my parents actually were really that first wave of lifestyle entrepreneurs. So it was kind of back in the late 70s, early 80s. And they had... Um, my stepdad was a surfer. And so he was also a beach volleyball player. So everything we did was to enable that lifestyle. So I grew up in California. And when my stepdad wanted to play beach volleyball more, he would, um, he opened the first brick and mortar, like beach volleyball retail store in Santa Barbara. So we could get all the cool gear and hang out, you know, at the beach and, and fund our hobby. And when he wanted to surf more, we opened up surf shops in California and Hawaii. So everything we did was designed to, and I learned that. I mean, I worked in these stores as, as a young kid. Everything we did was designed to um, let us play more. Mm. So then explain explain what a lifestyle entrepreneur is. I think a lot of people and some of the listeners, I'm sure, get caught up in um, thinking that it's just simply, you know, being able to lounge on the beach with a fruity drink and an umbrella in it and not a care in the world and millions of dollars are just dropping into your bank account. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me see if I can do a really good job um, actually sharing the, the actual definition of a lifestyle entrepreneur. I should memorize this, I swear. Um, but <laughs> your take on it will be fine. <laughs> A lifestyle entrepreneur is somebody who designs their business, not necessarily first for profit. The business is designed to be a business model that enables their version of a great lifestyle. And the women that I usually work with, and for me and my family, that's that's different. It's around kids and traveling. You know, for some people, every single person, the outcome of what lifestyle entrepreneurship is a different, you know, meaning to them. But the whole 
purpose of being a lifestyle entrepreneur is to first think about business model and then to make sure you're building the programs and the offers to make enough money to actually enable that business model. It could be $20,000. It could be $20 million. You know, every single person is different. The really thing, the thing that's really cool about lifestyle entrepreneurs is almost every lifestyle entrepreneur with the business model strategy also chooses to do something they're really passionate about. And so lifestyle entrepreneur businesses tend to be very, very successful because the person inherently loves what they're doing. They're first choosing the lifestyle and the business model around a passionate you know, thing they're incredibly passionate about. And so it keeps their momentum moving forward. Even when you know we know the going gets tough with entrepreneurship, that's why we see right. so many successful lifestyle entrepreneurs. But I will say like, if you were to hashtag search lifestyle entrepreneurs, it's really, really funny. And I can't wait to see this shift. I already see it that, you know, going back to grassroots, like my parents were back in the eighties. But if you're, mm-hmm. if you're going to, you know, Google search or hashtag, hashtag search lifestyle entrepreneurs, especially on Instagram, there's like naked chicks laying on Ferraris, like in their bikinis and right. you know, like really high end mansions on the beach. And, you know, yes, I'm sure that is a 26-year-old man's version of lifestyle entrepreneurship, but that isn't what the majority of people are building when we consider lifestyle entrepreneurs. So then what you're saying, it's more of, um, and, and I really don't love these terms, mompreneur, hobbypreneur. Um, I don't really love those because it pigeonholes what women do in creating businesses. So essentially what they're doing is creating a a business around their lifestyle, not creating some cute little hobby thing. Absolutely. This is not a hobbypreneur business at all. If you really want to be a successful entrepreneur, you have to have a substantially profitable business. Of course, depending on where your lifestyle is, if you're living in, you know, a region where you don't need to make quite as much money to sustain and and surpass your lifestyle, then, then that's going to be different than if you're living in San Diego, for example. Sure. But um, yes, so it's not a hobbypreneur business at all. And I work with a lot of mompreneurs. I think that's sad that mompreneurs get really a bad rap because there are some incredibly powerful um, mompreneurs out there. I actually wrote a mompreneur manifesto once because I was so mad about the, you know, dishing on the term, you know, or like bagging on the term mompreneur. Um, But really, no, it isn't. It's not a hobby business. These are women that are building, you know, six plus figure um, in primarily online businesses, some brick and mortar businesses that are also scaling online. But again, the whole entire purpose is making enough money and then surpassing that money to live your life. In, in that freedom state. So that's another good point. Scalability. That is something that has to be able to um, grow in order to maximize the dollars being, being brought in, the revenue being brought in. So how do you talk to women entrepreneurs about scalability if they're solo at the moment and they're wanting to increase their income. Yeah. So I actually am an advocate of a program that I developed. It's actually called the Lifestyle Entrepreneur Roadmap. And and I give it away for free. And I'm happy to talk about it here on the show. It's kind of my mission to share this with women so they know the steps to get to lifestyle entrepreneurship. We talk about scaling all the time. Everybody wants to scale, right? Um, But there are certain phases of business development when that's appropriate. And so in order to answer your question, let me just give you like a high level 
picture of the lifestyle entrepreneur roadmap. There are five phases. Um, phase one is really defining your purpose and what you want to do and what you actually, the lifestyle that you want and reverse engineering the numbers so that you are going to successfully get that. Phase two is actually launching. Phase two is launching your services and it's launching a signature offer or a first offer or a first program, improving that minimum viable product. The problem that we see and when women get in trouble is they, that's not really sexy, right? They want to skip that. <laughs> they want to be doing like all these courses and membership sites and, you know, all these other things, which I, there are no rules to exactly what you can and cannot do. But when we're talking about building a profitable, sustainable, long-term company, I'm actually, I, it's not fun to talk about, but I'm actually a firm believer that scaling too fast will actually kill you. And so Absolutely. I recommend, with, you know, one-to-one -one services or or even that brick and mortar location and doing it well until we prove that minimum viable product. And until the woman, I mean, you also as a woman have an opportunity to decide, hey, is, is my guess of what I thought was going to make me happy actually making me happy? We see so many women build mm. that, that doesn't. And staying kind of in phase two, even after you've launched, it's launch and then getting traction and it's breaking even and then it's starting to make more money. You know, that can last 12 to 18 months in some cases. After phase two, that's when I say, okay, great. Now let's talk about scaling. But we can't do that. It's kind of like putting the cart before the horse. Like we can't do that until, until that minimum viable product. And the woman has decided, yes, I love this. I'm totally on fire about this. So when we do get in the time to scale, you absolutely have to scale. Obviously, we need multiple, you know, streams of revenue coming into your business. Um, my my area of expertise is teaching established businesses to scale through online services and programs, and so that is like the development of membership sites or uh, launching masterminds or creating, you know, courses or even group and virtual type of business models. And that's all going to be so how you choose, you know, the right avenue to scale directly affects your lifestyle. So everything that I love. To to talk about and I kind of harp on as well is the fact that just because everybody's doing it and the scaling is working for them, it could make you totally miserable and shatter that lifestyle that you want. And so it's understanding not only the options to scale, but the business model of scaling that's going to work for you what fits properly mm -hmm. because just because it looks like the best thing on the face of the earth and memberships are hot right now. Yeah. Right. So just because of membership and you have a, a general idea that this might work, it might not be for you yet, or it might not be for you at all either. Maybe that's not the best thing because maybe tying it into, you know, being tied to a membership every day is not what she wants. You know I mean? So that's where your expertise comes in and that's where being able to talk to them and figure out what, of all these options is right for you. And that's what women, I mean, all these entrepreneurs, any entrepreneur needs to really dive into that, you know, respectively themselves on a regular basis. You know, if you, if you're working with someone or not, you have to understand because we're good at chasing all the things. Let's not chase the wrong things. Right. And you know, it's really funny. That actually brings up a story. I was just talking to a client a few weeks ago and she's like, I'm so excited. I really want to launch this membership site. I'm seeing all these buzz about membership site. I think this is perfect. And she had gotten caught up in this and her business is launched and it's sustainable and she's really doing well. And this wasn't ever part of the original plan, but she like, like that often happens to us, got caught up in this. Oh my gosh, this is what's selling right now. But when I had an opportunity to ask her, you know, a couple like really pertinent questions, great. Are you 
sure that you're going to be okay because the type of membership site she was launching was actually online and in person. Are you sure you're going to be okay actually showing up physically twice a month, committing to this for an indefinite period of time? Are you sure you want to do that? Like, what if you want to travel mm-hmm. for a month? I mean, to me, that would be like, that's an ultimate like red flag. Heck no, I would never do that. Um, you know, and so and as we kind of start going through the questions about how she was laying out her membership site, she's just like, oh my gosh, I feel like you saved me from, you know, a year <laughs> of doing that. But, yes. but what's so hard is that when, when we haven't been there before, we don't know what it looks like, right? And so it's right. so hard for women entrepreneurs who haven't had these type of business models to actually know how each one of the scaling business models is going to affect their lifestyle. It's totally mm-hmm. every single one, like launches will affect you, courses will affect you, retreats will affect you. And, and it is really hard to know until you've been there before. Um, and I can share with your listeners if that's okay. I have an ultimate guide sure. to, um, this is an ultimate guide to the online business models that are right for you. It's really written from my perspective as a mom of three kids where I, you know, I talk about, I don't, I don't do launches. I definitely don't do launches in March when the kids are coming out of school or, you know, I don't sell anything in August, you know, these type of things. I travel three months of the summer, you know, with my kids. So anything I offer is automated and it just kind of gives this family perspective on online business models. And I'll, I'll send you the link to that Excellent. so that people can great. download that too. But I think that's really the question with scaling. It's first, how are you going to scale that's going to really align with your lifestyle is as a lifestyle entrepreneur developer and strategist, that is always the first question that, that we dive into. Mm-hmm. So bringing it back, this is all good stuff. I'm all stuff that you need to hear, but I want to bring it back to your journey a little bit and ask you a couple of questions on your specific journey. How, how do you notice and define or put yourself in the position of knowing you're successful? What does that mean for you? Gosh, that's such a good question. Hmm. Well, to carry on my journey a little bit to help you understand me more, I actually moved out on my own when I was 13. So I had this amazing, awesome family, but I, I have lived on my own since I was 13. And, and after high school, rather than going to college, like everybody else did, I took off with a surfboard um, with a bunch of friends to Costa Rica. That was 1994. There was nothing in Costa Rica in 1994. <laughs> right. And so, um, I, and then I kind of got my first big girl, if you will, business coaching job offer when I was 20 or 21. I think I was 21. And I, I, I was surprised that people wanted, and this is kind of one of the things I struggle with. I was surprised that people wanted my knowledge because I, how I came about my knowledge was totally outside of the box. Um, you know, very non-traditional. I don't have my MBA. I didn't do any of that. And so that took me like 10 years going through developing programs, developing businesses, consulting people. Um, I'm actually the, one of the founders of the parent coaching industry. So I actually developed a whole new industry from scratch and kind of learning through the process of, of what that looked like. And even all the way through that, I, I don't do a good job stopping and saying, wow, that was a good job. You did good. It's always like, okay, what's next? Okay, what's next? And so I don't actually look at myself and say from a business standpoint that, wow, April, you're really successful. Um, that's just not something that I do. 
um, numbers, you know, uh, in, and, and we, we can talk about numbers, but I have multi six figure companies, but numbers don't impress me. Like numbers don't measure success to me. So when I look at, when I look at success, because I life and business are so cohesive to me, I, I look at things like, wow, I lived on my own and I didn't kill myself. Um, I traveled a lot of places and learned a lot of things and survived. Um, you know, I I did my first business coaching, you know, job when I had no idea what I was doing and I pulled it off. <laughs> and so I look at those things that are kind of outside of the box. You know, I have three amazing boys um, that are very entrepreneurial and they're doing amazing things in their life and, and they're really cool humans that I'm just so grateful to know, I think that's successful, you know? So that's, so I kind of stop and I look at that, but it's really, really funny actually, because just last night I was going through some old pictures and I had to find, I was trying to find an embarrassing picture of Timothy, my senior in high school, um, to share for his, his year, senior yearbook picture. And I came across, across a picture of me with the three boys. It was like a professional photo, um, right after I had launched one of my first companies. And I looked back at the picture and they are so tiny. And I would, it's just last night, I kind of sat there and I did an Instagram post on it saying, wow, that was awesome. You did so good. And I was so proud of myself. And so I actually put on Instagram being like, wow, I'm so proud of myself. And I've never done that before. <laughs> and, and, but I realized that it took me actually stopping for a minute to look back to realize because I'm always kind of looking ahead to the next thing. And mm -hmm. frankly, that's not good for me. I don't, I probably need to do a better job of that, but it's always exhausting. I think to kind of look to the new thing that I want to do. Um, but I did just have this moment in the last 24 hours where there we were in this photo and it kind of like a flashback and be like, wow, that was rad. You did so awesome. But it's just kind of one of those things where now it's gone. Now I'm onto the, now I'm onto the new things. <laughs> but that is success. You know, that is, that is a moment of stopping for a minute to see that. Wow you know, it's, it's brings that clarity for just that moment, but then you carry on and move forward. Yes. I think we're very similar in that aspect. And I had to actually have a, a mentor of mine, um, a while ago, tell me that you're going to have to embrace the fact that you're always going to want to create and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that mm -hmm. because I always thought, you know, this, the standard traditional, um, building a business model, uh, and it had always been done for you services or done for you type businesses that, you know, my husband and I had created and we had done before. So, but I was always never, you know, I get to it, be fun. I build it. And then I would be like, okay, I'm bored now. Mm -hmm. You know I mean? It'd be like, okay, so what am I going to do now? Let's go. Hey, let's go open a kids consignment clothes store. That sounds fun. You know, I did that in 2002 because why? why because I could, right. I could drive my babies with me. That sounds great. You yeah. know, and then I could just see all the cool clothes for them, you know? And so, I mean, and, and of course I lost 20,000 on that one, you know, because I, we ended up moving it to a whole different location. I had to, I had to just shut it and eat the lease, but that lesson being told, I had always created something that it had a tangible result uh, tied to it. A lot of service-based, a lot of, um, a lot of, um, um, product or, or service-based businesses. And so then when I would just be like, uh, my first business coach back in, 2011. And I told her from the get-go in the accounting where I told her from the get-go, I said, in two years, I'm going to be completely bored of this. I know my cycle well enough that in two years, I'm going to be bored. 
So what, what, what does that mean? And she's just like, well, let's just build this business and then we'll carry on from there. But it didn't give me that opportunity to see that that is what I do. And I think a lot of women are very creative and entrepreneurial in the space that they can continue to create. That's why the online world opens up so many opportunities. But I had to be okay with that. The listeners have to be okay with that. You coach that so well. Uh, and, and that is such a viable piece of it that being a creator can continue to create. But we have to stop back and look at our successes too. Yeah, we do. I don't. Yeah. And, and, no, and I don't honestly, I mean, anybody listening to this, like your listeners, I bet like you guys stop for a second. Like when was the last time that you guys actually looked back and said, wow, great job. I'm so proud of you to ourselves. Like we just don't, we don't do that. Um, you know, I certainly measure success by my client's success. So that's, that's a really True. cool thing for me. So when I have clients, you know, send me in case studies, like, listen, I wouldn't have a business without you. And I can't believe I made it through this. And I started out here and, da, 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 and here I am now. Um, and, and, and I see that in client stories too. clients usually work with me for actually a long time because of my lifestyle entrepreneur roadmap. We'll start in phase one. And as they grow as an entrepreneur, they stay with me and scale. And so some clients, you know, where in this goes, back to the creative thing, like where, where they'll start out and where they are now, like seven years later, it's totally a different business, which is so amazing. But taking those first initial steps is what enabled them to, to change their mind and to be mm-hmm. to create and grow more. Um, but it certainly is a struggle. And I think as women, we, we, that's something that I know personally that I definitely need to do a better job mm-hmm. at. I was always, you know, I'm not a journaler was when I was little, um, I learned a very hard lesson because I journaled and I still remember my, my parents found my journal and that, that wasn't good. I got journaling from that point forward. I realized was a bad idea for me. Um, but, but as an adult, I'm like, Oh my gosh, maybe I should, maybe I should journal. Um, and I thought maybe if I just wrote down every once in a while, every time I thought of something that I did or figured out and I didn't know what I was doing or, you know, a, a, a benchmark that a client hit or whatever it is. Like if I just kind of started making a list of all of the cool things that happened, all the things that I should be proud of, I might not necessarily uh, identify them as huge benchmarks, but things I should be proud of. I'm like, that would be a really good idea. And still yet I haven't done that, but that would be a really good idea. (laughs) It would. Yes. And I, I don't journal. I I have tried to be a journaler. I've tried to bring it on, but I'm just like, it's in my head. I know I already know it's in my head and it's safe there. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) But, but it's something I need to get over myself as well. Imposter syndrome. Talk to me about that. How have you encountered it and how do you see it in your clients and how, how do you deal with it? Mm, I see it in my clients every single day. And it's something natural that everybody struggles with. I will say personally, it is not something that is a primary struggle for me or has, has actually ever been a primary struggle for me because, um, because of my rebellious nature, just as a, as a human being, I've never wanted to be like anybody else. As a matter of fact, I, I actually want to do everything totally differently <laughs> and find mm-hmm. myself trying my very best to disrupt the way, um, the way, the way people are, are growing their business and, and, and questioning it and um, really kind of throw, holding that up to the fire and, and making my own version of that. So I feel very grateful that that is, is just a natural characteristic of who I am as a person that I, that's just not something that I have ever um, uh, sought out is, is to do something in a way somebody else wanted. It's actually completely the opposite. 
I don't know how to instill that upon somebody else because what I, Mm -hmm. what I've learned after I've been coaching women now for 22 years, what I've learned is that it's just who we are as a person. Yet Mm -hmm. what I find with my clients and with women that do struggle with this, because honestly, most of them do, um, it is as long as we lay out a business strategy. So, so much internal work has to happen before any business is developed. And a lot of people don't like that because they want to see a website or they want to see a, you know, a logo or they want to see a course launch. There's actually so much internal strategy and decision-making that has to be done before you ever, you know, click launch my website or, or start my social media account. And so going through a very um, in-depth strategy of who they are, what they bring to their space, even if they've never done it before, even if they're totally winging it, um, or, you know, on the other side of it, women that want to launch or freelance in their space or leave their nine to five job. And they are total like badass experts at it. They also want to differentiate themselves. So starting with the internal work and, and identifying what is my purpose here? My purpose is not something as simple as um, getting other people results. There's always a deeper purpose behind everything we do. What do you believe? Like, I believe this. I believe this. I believe this. And I actually recommend women go through and actually write down their belief statements. We did this. I hosted a peak women's mastermind here that weekend that I saw you in Colorado um, the day before. And I took women to the mountains and I put them out there in the freezing cold in the mountains because those are the kind of masterminds (laughs) I host. (laughs) And they're getting really outside of our comfort zone, outdoor adventure stuff. And and I had them write down because they were really kind of defining who they are in their space and what their core purpose was. And it's very difficult. You can't just like come out of the blue and just be like, okay, this is my, my core purpose. You know, it's an evolution. And so where, where I had them start was writing down their belief statements. Like I believe that everybody should have a right to do what they want when they want to do it. I believe should ever, everybody should, you know, can relate to your business or not. I believe that um, people should, you know, have a right to great nutrition. You know, I believe people should have an opportunity to understand technology, whatever your beliefs are as a relator, even as they don't relate to their business, just like splash down a whole list. I believe this and I believe this and I believe this. After that, then you finish this sentence. Therefore, dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. I am going to do this for my space. I am this person in my industry, or, you know, I am going to be this disruptor in my area, you know, because of who and who we are and what we believe that actually crafts. And, you know, we can just nip that in the bud right there. Right. If, if women really know within themselves, what they believe, why they believe it, um, who they are, why they're different. And they go through that process. That's it's, it's the best way I have found that uh, really kind of curbs that getting into this space, cold turkey, you dive in there, you have no idea who you are, you're seeing all these things moving around you so fast and all these programs going in different directions and women with hundreds of thousands of Instagram followers and and you automatically are like, oh, never going to get there. But the truth of the matter is, it's just really starting with understanding what you believe about your business, about yourself, about your clients, uh, about your philosophies, about what you're doing about what you don't like about the way things are currently done. All of those things um, is, is then you can have the confidence to step into this being like, I don't want that. I don't, I don't believe what she does. I don't want to post those same kind of things. And that kind of really kind of changes the, the direction of that imposter syndrome. 
And do you find that if they're not connected to that deeper core purpose, that whatever they try to create or whatever they try to do to move into that business space is not sustainable? Mm, God, that's a hard question. I don't want to say so much to be like yes or no to judge, but I will say that they don't have to be, there's, they're not going to be immediately connected with their core purpose because our core purpose truly is something that evolves as we grow as an entrepreneur. And so mm. we learn more about our core purpose and what we're supposed to do and what we're supposed to be um, as we go through the steps of failing and falling on our face and trying different things and seeing different results, good and bad. Um, so no. So I, they might not be successful immediately, but I still believe that they need to start. The process of starting is how we, how we learn ourselves. So I didn't really understand, you know, core purpose is also something that develops in hindsight. So I didn't yes. really, really look back and see my core purpose until about 2015. And it's a culmination of everything, living on my own, growing up on beaches, surfing everywhere, being family, you know, in lifestyle entrepreneurs, building my company, quote, quote, you know, creating things, a new industry and things out of the blue. And so my core purpose statement is that I inspire and equip women to design their life through entrepreneurship. That is mm -hmm. it. It's my core purpose. But there was no way I actually could have come to that like that succinctly unless I had already done it and failed and seen get, you know. And so it's never going to be perfect in the beginning. I think it's not fair for um, women to, to start out even in their first couple years and say, I should know my core purpose. Oh my gosh, everybody else knows their core purpose. That is not true. And don't do that to yourself. That's not fair to you. But start to connect with your beliefs. And therefore, because of your beliefs, make decisions of the types of businesses you're going to do and the type of services you're going to offer and the types of adventures you're going to go on and people you're going to connect with. And you will start to see your core purpose with every single step. But if you don't start taking those steps, you don't have the ability to have the hindsight and then the confidence then to say, then to say, okay, yeah, this is my statement. This is what I'm going to stand on this rock here. I'm going to stay here. This is what I'm willing to live and die for and bring to the world hundred percent. So that takes a while to get there, but you have to take the steps. And that brings into question um, a big buzzword in the online space right now is identifying ideal client. That and that's an evolution too. It, <laughs> it is an evolution. Um, so I, I love ideal client strategy and I love working with clients to do that and kind of figure out what their ideal client strategy is. Um, every program we develop is going to have a different ideal client, but we have to start somewhere. And again, if you go back to my lifestyle entrepreneur roadmap and you think of phase two, which is launch, you should really only be developing one core signature program, not 5,000. Otherwise it's too much noise and nobody's going to know who you are and why you're awesome. So figuring out that first ICA, ICA is so important. But the reason why ICA is important really is just so that we can talk to them on marketing. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. <laughs> I mean, you know, so ICA is a marketing tactic and you get your copy that, you know, is going to, is going to pinpoint things, you know, based on what you're guessing. But another thing, which, it, you know, not a lot of business coaches say, and it's not very popular for me to say this, is that entrepreneurship is a hypothesis. This is an educated mm. guess of after all of the research and diving into your passions and figuring, you know, crunching the numbers, seeing what's out there, figuring out what's what you want to do and what lights you up. In the end, 
we're all guessing it's going to work, right? And, and, and that sounds a little scary, but that's the truth. The better we do at researching and guessing and knowing who we are, the, more, the faster we're going to be successful. With that being said, ICA is a hypothesis. It is an educated guess that we believe this specific person is going to resonate with what we are creating. And the interesting thing is that once you put that out there, once you launch, there is a period of six months to nine months, even 12 months of testing and traction in being open to the fact that, hey, you know what? this is changing. You know, the people that are resonating to this are totally not the same people. I thought we're going to buy it originally is cool. And I've experienced, I've started experiencing that. So I'm 43 and I, you know, when I first started business coaching, I was, you know, in my twenties and I had babies. And so my ICA were, were moms just like me, right. There, there were little babies. And then, you know, once the kids go back to school, my ICA was that woman who worked between like three or nine and three, you know, now that I'm in my forties and our, our kids are out there doing their own things, I'm working you know, primarily with really, you know, women that are like me that are over 37, all the way up to 55 that are building these amazing businesses, because the, you know, that's just where I am as a woman as well. And so Mm -hmm. being open to the fact that ICA is going to change is, is certainly something that, that happens. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. hundred percent resonating with you right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So let me ask you, what strengths do you lean on? in your business? What are your gifts, your strengths that you lean on for you in, as an entrepreneur? Mm. I tend to always just figure stuff out. I, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't ever doubt that I can not figure something out. If I don't know how to do it, I will always figure out how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just comes along the lines of, of obviously my upbringing as well. You know, things I've always created in a lot of cases have, have not been done before. Um, I also, in the same sense with that, I actually never stop learning. I'm like a super sponge, you know, I even go through and listen to podcasts in areas where I'm an expert, making sure that I'm not missing anything and making sure that I'm, you know, staying up on the changes and things that are happening. And I'm always reading books, right? I don't even have time to read books. That basically means I'm always listening to audible when I'm driving my kids somewhere in the car um, or on a plane. Um, And, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to identify where I'm not awesome. Um, so going through that process of being really real with myself and being like, okay, you're, 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 you're doing terrible at this area and identifying my weaknesses, I think actually a strength, um, and actually putting them as bullet points on a board and, and going after and mastering them and overcoming them. That's awesome. So self-analysis, self-awareness, really very self-aware. If you could tell your 20 something self about the entrepreneurial journey, you know, now what tip would you have given yourself to take better care of myself? Like really, um, physically like to rest more, to sleep more, that it was definitely not a sprint that it was a marathon and it still is a Mm. marathon. Um, I don't regret some things I did really, really fast because I had to be the first in this space to be able to claim, you know, certain rights um, and certain authority. And, um, but along the way, 
so here's like an interesting just side story. So the, I obviously I lived on my own since I was 13, but that's because my mom left. My mom left because she was like a martyr. She did everything for everybody else. My mom and I are really good friends today. Um, she, she poured everything into the businesses, into my sister and me, into, you know, my, my stepdad's surfing hobby and, you know, everything, there was nothing she had for herself. It was all building, 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 pouring in and building. And I started doing that myself when I had kids and it wasn't probably until like my third, I had three babies under the age of four when I launched my first company. And it wasn't probably until a year into that where I was like, Oh my God, I'm so overweight. I'm totally exhausted. I breastfed two babies for four years straight at the time. You know, it was like, I was literally actually like pouring out, you know, like all (laughs) all the time. Um, And so it wasn't until probably I was around 33 where I was like, this is not okay. Like I'm going to die. I am going to, um, uh, something, I'm going to have a heart attack or something's going to happen or a nervous breakdown or whatever it is. And, and I'm not going to, and I'm not going to push through. I wish I had done that earlier. Um, it's still certainly something that I struggle with, but I'm much more aware. Like this year has been a really hard year and I haven't taken care of myself the way I wanted to this year and gained a lot of weight and out of the gym. Um, and it, it, I look at them as seasons cause I've been traveling so much with my mm-hmm. kids, but understanding that I needed to do a better job feeding myself well and sleeping well actually would, I probably would have made more money. Um, Mm. if I had done that, do you know what I mean? Like if I had just stopped and like ate well and stopped drinking so much wine and coffee and you know, all those things. And I I probably would have been able to think clearer, um, be able to make decisions better and probably would have made a lot more money in my twenties than I did. Hmm. That's huge. So it's almost, it's almost uh, like kind of contradicts itself in our own head because we think if we, we think in the sprint, but we actually need to slow it down because we can do better and with much more clarity on what we're given if we do actually be fully present in the moment in it and take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I learned Excellent. that. Yeah, I learned that. I was probably about 35 when I realized that when I go to the gym in the morning, and I've actually recorded a couple of podcasts on that. I don't know the science behind it, to be honest, but it fascinates me. When I go to the gym in the morning really, really early and in, in spike my heart rate and have a really heavy workout, those are the days where I am rocking. Like I create better. I coach my clients better. I record better podcasts. I make decisions faster. Though on those days when I do that in the morning, like my, my brain functions completely different than the days I just kind of roll out of bed and take a shower and get coffee. So I've actually been able to correlate self-care directly with my bottom line now. Um, and I think that's why this year it's been like, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh, we need to go back and, you know, self-care. And so it doesn't start <laughs> taking a toll on, on, on money. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I did, it, it was a realization where I felt that it wasn't something where I just came about it. I actually was like, it shocked me. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm doing awesome today. What's the difference? Oh yeah, I lifted weights, you know? So it was just kind of, it was kind of the process. It's also, I think your ego, I think your ego gets better and you get more confident when you get in more, in better shape and you're stronger. And I'm like, I can conquer the world. And so now I'm going to go write a book or whatever, you know? You feel like you can go out there and you are sexy as all get out. You're crushing those jeans. You are owning the world. Even if you're in your minivan picking up the kids from preschool. Totally. Yeah. And I will say my clients that have the highest self-confidence are the ones that make the most money. 
it doesn't mean they're the skinniest. It doesn't mean they're right. But the women that I coach that invest in themselves, that take the time to invest in themselves, make so much more money than the women that are just like heart strung out. Like I was in my twenties, just like scrapping to build things. It is a night and day difference. Absolutely. So what is one tip that the listeners could take away from today uh, to just go rock their world? God, man, I wish I had been prepared for that question so I could leave something (laughs) like really, really good. Oh, you know, you're going to leave something good anyways. I already know it. So lean into that one. Um, You know, I, I mean, I will just say my tip across the board is to know exactly where you are in business development. Stop doing things that are outside of the phase of business that you are in right now. It will slow you down. It will mess you up. And if you do things before it's time to do them. And when I say do things, this is actually building programs and building offers and building membership sites when you aren't ready to do that yet. When, when your list isn't there yet, or your knowledge isn't there yet, or your following isn't there yet, or whatever that is, you know, stop, stop putting the cart before the horse. When you do less and you focus really hard on exactly what should be happening, like right now in this phase of business, you will make money faster. You will complete results faster you will be able to have more confidence because you're getting smaller, quick wins that are actually getting you further down the road faster. So my biggest Mm -hmm. tip is know what phase of business you're in. And I can share that link with you if you'd like. Definitely. Yes. So you guys can go to aprilbeach.com forward slash quiz. So it's aprilbeach.com forward slash quiz beach. Look just like you're going to the beach or you can text the word sweet life, one word to the number three, one nine, nine, six, and just take a quiz. And it's just five questions, but it'll tell you exactly what phase of business development you're in. And there are actually five. We only talked about three. There are actually five phases of business development. Um, Once you know what phase you're in, and you'll get literally a checklist of exactly what you should be working on. That's the first thing you're going to get when Mm -hmm. you take this assessment. Once you know what phase you're in, check all those babies off. And this is the ultimate killer for shiny object syndrome. You will never suffer from shiny object syndrome. You'll never invest in a program or a course that you're not ready for, or how many people have bought programs and courses that they're sitting on them. That's because they purchased a training that was outside of the phase of where they were. So that's my advice. Awesome. So tell the listeners, where can they find and connect with you? Yes. Thank you so much for asking. So I am host of the Sweet Life Entrepreneur podcast. And if we talk about measuring success, I just love that show. It is so much fun for me. I know you love doing this show too. It is. Um, it is. Oh fun. my gosh. We're coming up on three years uh, here in January. And so the best place to connect with me is going to sweetlifepodcast.com or finding the podcast on your favorite podcast app. It's Sweet Life, one word. Um, and if, if listeners really want to dive into business strategy, then they can go to aprilbeach.com. And I have numerous free and different investment resources there. There, that they can work with me. Awesome. This has been such a treat, such a pleasure to be able to jam with you and Thanks. pick your brain a little bit and have all the conversation. So thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. I am so glad to be here. Love it. Wonderful. Guys, make sure you check out the show notes. It will all be hyperlinked for you and be wise and look at look up April because she's going to give you some massively good guidance. I guarantee it's out there. She's done dished it today. So <laughs> thank you for listening. And as always, Keep moving forward.
Thanks for listening to the Fem Nation podcast. Be sure to check out our show notes for more details from the episode. If you love the show, share it with a friend or drop me a note. I'd love to hear from you over at whitedevgannon.com or find me on social media. Until next time, keep moving forward.